Não, não. Good morning. <laughs> It's great to be with you this morning. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. And it's the parable of the great supper. And it, and it reads like this. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and get it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported those things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. So I just wonder if we've, uh, I'm sure we've all been invited at some point in our lives to a party or to, to a wedding uh, reception or something like that. I wonder if we've ever accepted the invitation and then not actually turned up. It'd be quite naughty of us to do that, wouldn't it? Or I wonder if um, we've invited somebody to a party or, or something and, and they haven't turned up. I wonder how, we, how would we feel? We'd probably be feel quite annoyed, wouldn't we? Maybe a bit angry and upset. Kids' parties, we all love a kids' party, don't we? No? Room, room full of kids, noisy kids. Um, I've, 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 well, we've been a bit naughty sometimes and, and, and not, not gone to, uh, to these parties. Um, especially, I, I like the ones where, where the parties are on a Sunday around 11 o'clock because then we just can't go because we're at church. So that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? <laughs> So uh, in, in this chapter, in chapter 14, it says how Jesus went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath. He healed a man with dropsy. I had to Google dropsy. <laughs> um, apparently you can get dropsy in a fish, according to Google. Um, so it's abnormal swelling of the body. So he healed a man with dropsy and he then told um, these parables. First, he spoke about the people who took the best seats in the house. Then he spoke about the type of people we should be inviting to supper. And then we come to this section, the power of the great supper. Um, in uh, Jesus' words make a, a deep impression to at least one person in, in, present in the house, which is encouraging, at least one person was listening. Um, verse 14 says, Jesus says you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So he said he will be rewarded for his good actions. 
This is when Jesus was explaining about those who show unhealth, unselfish hospitality. So this guy is probably touched and maybe even excited about what, about what Jesus was saying. You know, his reply was, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. That's exciting news, isn't it? That we can eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's an exciting thought. And this guy has obviously realised the fact. So in this parable, Jesus answers this person's comment with a warning to him and the other people who were present. So there's good news and there's bad news. Jesus warns that there is danger they will miss the blessing of the kingdom of God because only those who accept invitation will have a share of this blessing only those who accept the invitation verse 16 says a certain man gave a great supper and invited many now it would have been customary at that time that a previous invite would have been given out so a servant would have gone out and, and, and invited the people and they would have had plenty of notice about this invitation about this, you know, about this upcoming event. Then a second invite nearer the time would have gone out. So they were obviously very organised back in the day. Uh, not like me, I'd probably leave it to the last minute and, and wonder why no one turns up. <laughs> so the second invite would have been given out again via a servant to remind people about the first invitation. So these people here would have already accepted the previous invite and they were now being reminded that the supper was ready and they must come without delay. So who are the people in this parable? Verse 16 says, a certain man. And this is God. And the supper is the kingdom of God. So God is inviting people to his kingdom and it is the second time they've been told about it. This is a great and rich blessing which the Lord is ready to make known to everybody. The first invitation refers to the promises of the Old Testament. We know the Old Testament talks about the coming of a saviour, the coming of Jesus, the promise of a saviour. Right from the beginning of the Old Testament, from Genesis chapter 3, God told the serpent that he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise your heel. At the cross, Satan bruised Christ's heel but because of Christ's death and resurrection, Christ bruised Satan's head and won completed victory over him. He won and completed victory over him. Right from the beginning, we see the promise of a saviour. God has already told the people about this promise, and now we're here where the saviour has come. The messenger who takes around the second invitation is Jesus himself. In verses 18 to 20, it says, But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to be excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I, has, I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have, a mar I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So when those who had been invited heard the supper was ready, they also they all asked to be excused. It would have been a big insult, obviously, to accept the first invite and then refuse the second. So these three typical examples of the kind of excuses made are mentioned. So one bought a piece of ground, one had some bought some animals, and another had just got married. They don't give any real reason why they're unable to go. 
There's plenty of time to look at the land. He would have already looked at the land because the deal was already done. He'd already bought the land. So he didn't need to go off and, and look at it again. The animals were already bought, so there was no business needed to be done there. And his new wife was another excuse. Why could he not bring his wife with him to the supper, to the invited, you know, to the, to the supper he's been invited to? So people don't accept the invitation to the supper as they are too attached to worldly and visible things. Luke 16, 15 says, Jesus says to the Pharisees who dearly loved their mother, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honours is detestable. What this world offers is detestable in the sight of God. Jesus says, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value can be highly detestable in God's sight. And because of their worldly desires, their lack of time, too busy doing this thing or that thing, wanting popularity and things like that, they're deaf to the invitation of God. They've rejected him. They've rejected his invitation. Through the cares of the world and the temptations of riches, just like the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone hearing the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So we need to be careful, don't we, not to be putting other things before God. It's the first commandment, as we all know. We should have no other gods before me. In verse 21, the first section of that, so that servant came and reported these things to his master, then the master of the house being angry. He got angry. The master of the house became justly angry. He was right at being angry. And the attitude of those invited, that's why he was angry, because of the attitude of those he had invited. They treated him worthless and beneath consideration and with deceitfulness. He is right to be angry, isn't he? He is inviting people to be in his kingdom and people are rejecting it. A bit like when we tell our children to do something and they still go ahead and do it. We tell them don't do things because it might hurt you and we don't want you to get hurt. And when they go off and do it anyway, we, we get angry, don't we? And it's right for us to be uh, angry. Just like, this, just like God was angry that uh, people were rejecting his invitation. So then he orders the poor... He orders the poor, maimed and lame, and the blind who loiter, neglected in the streets and lanes, to be invited to his supper instead. So most of the respectful Jews rejected Jesus, although they had the best opportunity through their knowledge of the Old Testament to see Jesus, that he is the fulfiller of the promises of God. So now he turns to the despised ones, and he invites them in, the randomers, the publicans, the sinners. 22, verse 22 and 23 say, And the servant said, Master, he's done as you, as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. So after the servant had told the master that the house the master of the house, that the poor folk of the town and other needy ones were already sitting at the feast, he said there's still room. So the master of the house causes the people outside the city who are to be found unsheltered to be invited to the feast because these people consider themselves unworthy and unprepared 
A bit like the, the thief on the cross, I was thinking, he was unprepared. But at the moment, he turned to Jesus. He was forgiven. And I look at that word compel. I thought to myself, it's not for us to compel people, is it? Surely. It says, you know, how, how can we compel people? It's the work of the Spirit that compels, isn't it? It says in, um, in Acts chapter 6, when Stephen was disputing with the men in the, syn- in the synagogues, um, they, were, they were unable to resist his wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Stephen was speaking through the spirit and people were listening to him and couldn't argue with him. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ compels us. And then also we think about Paul, who was compelled by the spirit to go and preach. He said, yet when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. So we see it's the Spirit which compels. It's not us. We can't compel people. So why does it say, go out and compel people to come to the supper? It's something that I was thinking about over and over. And then I realized, because it's Jesus who is doing the inviting, isn't it? It's Jesus who is compelling people. It's his his Spirit who is compelling people. God prepared the feast. As I said earlier, God is the one who's inviting people, who, who, who's prepared the feast. Jesus is the one going out and he's doing the telling and he's telling people to come. Through his spirit, we are called. The spirit says, come. Revelation twenty two seventeen. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. When we are compelled to come to the supper, we should go. So they must be compelled to go, not by dragging them, not by outward violence. You know, we can't do that. We can't go and drag people into church. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that, that puts it on people's hearts and minds. So to be, you know, they, they should be compelled because it's logical to them. And it says in Matthew 14, verse 22, Jesus made his disciples get on the boat and go before him to the other side. He made them. He didn't physically drag them because he's Jesus, because of his spirit. They just did as he, told, as he was told. He compelled them. So I was thinking about how we're compelled in different ways, aren't we? I wonder if we've been compelled to do something or to say something to someone before. It's, it's important that we act on that. Someone said to me once, we should never ignore a uh, prompt or when the Spirit compels us to pray for somebody. Never ignore that. We should probably get it all the time, really, don't we? think as we're going about our day, we, we, people's names come to our, to our heads and we think, oh, I'll just take time just to pray for this person. And it's important that we act on that, isn't it? And not ignore it. So it was because of the instant urgency of the invite that people would come. In this portion of the parable, where the poor were invited, Jesus refers to the fact that the gospel had to be brought first to the members of the old chosen people. Romans 1 says, after the Jews had rejected the invitation of God, the invite will then be carried to the Gentiles. Acts 13 reminds us that Paul went to tell the Gentiles after the Jews had rejected the message. It says the Jews heaped abuse on Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, 
we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Verse 24. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Although the people who had originally been invited, who stayed away by making all kinds of excuses, will nevertheless attempt to get admission to the supper, it will be refused to them. It says, those who were invited shall not taste my supper. By their own foolish actions, they have finally excluded themselves. People say to me, or to people who, 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 when we go out into town and things, they say, oh, I, I'll wait to I meet God before I make a decision. But it's going to be too late, isn't it? They don't realise that. They think they've got plenty of time. There's no urgency. So when those people who've rejected the invitation from God by him, who is in Christ, try to seek admission to his kingdom at the end of time, when it is finally revealed in full glory, it will be utterly refused to them because they have allowed this time of grace to pass away. I say to people quite often, God's given us plenty of time. If, we're 70, if we live to 70, 80, 90 years old, we've got all those years to find out who he is and what he's done for us. He's given us that period of grace that's plenty of time to figure him out and to know what we need to do to be saved. They can only blame themselves for this exclusion. People say, why did a loving God send people to hell? Why does a loving God send people to hell? Well, he doesn't, does he? It's people's own choice to, to not accept this free gift of salvation. In this verse, in verse 24, Jesus himself acts as a speaker and refers to his own supper. It says, for I say to you, my supper the speaker is no longer the host of the supper in this conversation with his servant. The speaker is now Jesus himself. It says, For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. So from this it appears that Jesus wishes this supper to be regarded as his feast. The table at which the guests are to recline at his table and the coming kingdom of God as his kingdom. See, in using these words, the Saviour declares that he is not merely the preacher of the kingdom of God, but he is the King himself. He is the Messiah, the promised one. See, Jesus and God are the same, and we see that in the verse. I wonder how the Jewish witnesses would answer that one. They're a nightmare to talk to. <laughs> the, the gospel message we should be sharing to people daily proclaims to every soul this glorious invitation come for everything is now ready ready through the perfect work of redemption the action of being saved from our sins from our errors and from the evil the redemption of god accomplished through jesus christ 
He who refuses to accept the invitation will, through his own fault, have no share in the rich blessings in the everlasting kingdom of God. But although many people reject his invitation, others will accept it so that his house will be full. And he wants his house to be full, doesn't he? The parable and these final words teach us that only those people who rejected the invitation were excluded. So the two essential points in his teaching are that no man can enter the kingdom without the invitation. Do we know about the invite? I'm sure we all do here, don't we? But it's our job to tell people, isn't it? It's our job to tell people that they too are invited. To make people aware that God is inviting them to his kingdom. And secondly, that no one can remain outside it but by his own deliberate choice. We can't save ourselves, but we can condemn ourselves to eternal punishment. And this is exactly why it is so important that Jesus and his teachings are talked about with such urgency. There's a chap who comes to the coffee morning at at Gerson that I help out with. And he goes to a church and he's got so many questions. And he loves that I open the Bible to help him understand these questions. He said his own vicar doesn't do that. He doesn't answer the questions with his Bible. And it's important that we show people in God's word what it says. There's an urgency to tell people and an urgency to accept it. It says, come, for everything is ready. Are you resisting this invitation this morning from God? Are you delaying in responding to the good news that Jesus has prepared a place for us? in God's kingdom. Maybe you have similar excuses this morning which sound reasonable in your own head. Maybe you're thinking about work or you've got family responsibilities or you've got family reasons or you've got other issues. Excuses to not be attending church regularly. Church attendee attendance isn't going to save us, we know that, but it will help us in our relationship and in our growth. It's important that our relationship grows as we draw closer to God. He draws closer to you. God's invitation is the most important event in your life. No matter how inconveniently timed it might be, are you making excuses this morning to avoid responding to God's call? Jesus reminds us here the time will come when God will pull his invitation and offer it to other people. Then it will be too late to get into the feast. I'm sure we know people who are already at the feast because they've accepted this invitation. Maybe we have uh, loved ones who we think didn't know the Lord, but we remember that God's promises are true. God in Genesis 18, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? God knows what is right and what is just. He is just. God is sovereign judge of all righteousness, full of grace and mercy, to all who call upon him. It is his justice that offers a way for all to escape the judgment of his righteousness. And it's in that justice that we must rest. John 16 says, We may have sorrow, but one day we shall see them again. And your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Lean on the everlasting arms of God who feels our pain and comforts us with great love and mercy.
Revelation 22, verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the word of this book. Follow the words and teaching of Jesus, and we will be blessed. If you've accepted this invitation, there's a place where the street shines. No more pain, no more tears, no more sadness. Let's make it our number one priority to invite others, to tell others about this invitation. People may not have heard the good news. People might, you might be the first person to share this good news with somebody. This good news that Jesus died, Jesus lived a perfect life. He suffered a horrendous death because of his love for us. He didn't stay dead, he rose again, conquering death, making a way for you and for me into God's kingdom. So let's tell others about this invite, this invite to the great supper in the kingdom of God. Thank you.